Matt Reeves has cast Robert Pattinson as Batman, Andy Serkis as Alfred. I watched all two seasons of Cobra Kai, and we're talking about none of that. It's the Mando After Show on The Mandagolian. Welcome to Geek Out Loud. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you and glad to have along with me on this special, special episode. We'll bring him in first, ladies and gentlemen. We've got the band back together. What band do you say? We're talking about the Rebels, uh, the Rebel Yell band and introducing first from uh, the chilly Northeast, my brother from another mother, Erish Chernevice. What's going on, Erish? Steve. You are the Mandagolian. I have spoken. Your, ante- your ancestors told stories of the great mythosaur. <laughs> Surely you can host this podcast. Well, I'll do, I'll do my best. I will do my best. So uh, good to have you, man. It's good to be back talking some Star Wars. The last time, I guess, was the big five-hour epic for uh, for the trailer that, that we had together. You were there for most of that, and uh, we had a good time. As we discussed the ri- the the final Rise of Skywalker trailer, and that was some good stuff on old episode 250. If you've made it through that marathon, welcome, welcome to Geek Out Loud, and we welcome, of course, uh, the the other part and the the integral part of Rebel Yell from back in the day. Uh, we'll bring her in appropriately now. In some circles, she goes by Ice Cold Penguin. Sometimes she's a fangirl going rogue. She gets into her sabers and spells. But for us, she'll always be the heart and soul of Disney Vault Talk. And of course, the lovely, the powerful, the talented, Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa. Hello. All right. Welcome back. Hello. Oh, is this all you're going to say now? Hello. <laughs> I have spoken. All right. Well, there it is. Well, you know what we got to do now. Slow down, you got to crash. Baby, we were screaming, it's a blast, blast, blast. Look out now, you got your blinders on. Everybody's looking for a way to get real gold, real gold. That's Teresa's walkout music right there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm ready to walk out after <laughs> you sing that. Come on, man! Don't be that way. <laughs> you know this is a you know this is a show where we end up singing. It is a lot. So there you like go. Sing. So. Oh, I got a song for you later. Oh, oh, oh. Nope, not that. No, we're not here talking about that stuff. We are. We are. Is that some kind of frozen? Come stuff? on, let's go and play. Nope. Is that frozen? Yes. I still have not seen frozen. Okay, well, you have no excuse. You know why? 
Oh, it's probably on Disney Plus. But it I, is. Wow. I, I, I will not be watching Frozen. Let's make it clear right now. Let's make it clear right now. Erish does not call it Disney Plus or Disney Plus. Erish calls it the Mandalorian Channel. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Erish, <laughs> what viewing of the Mandalorian are you on right now as we're recording this? Number five. Number five. <laughs> Number five. My first one was at four thirty yesterday morning. Wow. I'm like, I can squeeze this in and still make my train, my 5.50 a.m. train to work. <laughs> and you did. And I did. That's what's what it's all about. Yep. Teresa, how many times have you watched this episode thus far? Three. Three. The big three. I've watched it intently twice. What We, we had a big group get together uh last night with the premiere at the time recording and um and watched it a, I, I say a big group a good group of friends from around here got together and watched and then when i came home i turned it on so i could watch a little more intently and, and catch some of the things i may have missed um guys i mean let's just jump right into it um i have spoken yeah this is some good stuff <laughs> no, no that's how we, you end a conversation not start one Teresa. no that's how this is what you say all the time because that was the best line it ever. was but he said that when he was done speaking i know <laughs> i really thought initiate self-destruct was the best line <laughs> well let's get into this thing um i i'm tempted just to start from the end and work our way back but i won't do that Actually, uh, the best line was, I haven't evacuated since the solstice. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a vac tube? Um, so the Mandalorian, first of all, let's just do this. Teresa, what are your opening volley of thoughts, your your general just overview feeling about chapter one of the Mandalorian? Give me more. Give me more. Well, they will on Friday. They will on I Friday. Uh I like the music. I like the visuals. I like that it's not tailored for tiny children. I like the guy that got cut in half. Uh, I like how easy it is to like do carbonite because it was seemed like such an ordeal <laughs> in Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> and now it's like, oh, I have it on my ship. Well, the the facility uh, on Cra- on Cloud City was crude. Okay. So. Okay. Well. Um, I like that he was a foundling. I don't know what that means. There's a lot of things that happen that I don't know what they mean still. And I'm really confused about some stuff. All right. Well, maybe we can explore some of it and break it down as we go through. Erish, your initial thoughts. Your overall. Okay. <laughs> we got it. Your overall thoughts, Erish, on, on this episode. When we got the announcement seven years ago that Disney had bought Lucasfilm and that they were going to be making new Star Wars films, this is what I hoped for. Mm. I, I I love every single thing about this. The, the, uh, we were talking before we came on, this is my favorite Star Wars since the original trilogy. Wow. Hands down, easily. Mm. And it's only been one episode so far. So, Ares, I mean, it, can it get? Do you think it can get better? Or do you think? Yes. I mean, okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. I'm just saying. I mean, just, just the way this episode ended, and, and look, if 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 you're listening to this, you've seen the episode. We are going to spoil stuff. Well, sure, we are. Yeah. Um, but you know, and eventually we will get to the ending. But there are so many 
amazing questions and possibilities about that final thing in this episode that, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just, I can't wait until I guess it's going to be 4.30 tomorrow morning when I'm watching the next episode. That's <laughs> at the time of this recording. Um, so or no, 48 hours, Friday morning. I, I'm going to tell you straight up, in, in all seriousness, I we were watching this, and I had forgotten that Dave Filoni was um, directing this first episode. I for what I thought that John Favreau was. I you know I knew he's the showrunner. I thought well Favreau's directing the first episode, and I'd forgotten that it was Filoni. And um, uh, about probably about a third of the way through, I looked at my buddy and I'm like, dude, you can see Filoni's fingerprints all over this thing. It's like he's directed this episode or something, because this because he's really. You can really see that he had some input. And then as it ends, it's like directed by Dave Filoni. I'm like, oh, yeah, he did direct the first episode. Um, but I, I guess we'll go about this. I, I don't have any notes that I've made or anything to really break this thing down. But I will say this, that one of the things that is key to this whole show is is liking The Mandalorian. And they do this great opening the the whole opening the cold opening of him showing up at the bar you know the tracker in his hand he 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 goes in there and and there's the moment of the of the guys trying to rough him up over the spilt drink it had a little bit of cantina feel with you know he doesn't like you i don't like you either all that kind of stuff and uh and the mandalorian just kind of taking care of business in there um and then, and then the dude like, thank you so much. I'm eternally grateful. And then he puts down the puck, and shows him that's him. And he's like, oh great. And 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 then that dude begins to try to. You just kind of you figure out who this guy is in five minutes time, mm-hmm. so that we are now off to the races. And so now everything else like it was such a great, masterful way of of character introduction to just kind of say, here's who he is now. Will we get backstory? Will we saw a few flashbacks in there? But it doesn't matter because we know who he is. And I'll be honest with you from the get-go, I like this dude. Whether we see his face or not, you know, I, I like this dude. Um I, I've never I've never really been the type to to like kind of like the you know, the the characters that are that everyone likes, like a Boba Fett or, you know, the, the quiet, cool looking type. But man Don't you blaspheme the Fett. I'm not blaspheming the Fett. I've just never been on that train hardcore like some people are. I know he looks cool and everything, but as I looked at this dude, I I really just dig his look. I dig the way he walks. I dig just everything about him, his demeanor. He's just I I and and from the get go, I'm like, all right, I can get behind this guy. What he's doing here, I I don't know if he's a good guy or bad guy, but it doesn't matter. This is this is this is a great western in space, Irish. There's an honesty to him. Yeah, you know he he's straightforward. He's matter of fact. I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. Um, <laughs> he he can hand he he can handle himself in a tough situation. We've got you four to one. I like those odds. <laughs> yes, that yeah. was a cool moment. Um, you know, but he's also he's also willing to work with IG Eleven at the end to get the job done. He's annoyed that the droid has stepped in and is mucking up what he probably could have handled just fine on his own. But he's practical about it. He's like, look, 
the two of us can work together and we'll just split the bounty. You know, very matter of fact. Whereas you can't imagine the FET saying that. Right. You know, it, it, you know the, the big rumor is is that this is this took the place of what was going to be the Boba Fett movie or Boba Fett show or whatever. You know, he is not Boba Fett. And it's mm-hmm. clear from this first episode that while he may look like him, wears similar helmet, armor, stuff like that. He is not Boba Fett. He is his own character. And I, I love this guy already. Teresa, how do you feel about the character of the Mandalorian that we've gotten to know in chapter one? Uh, well, I'll get to that in just a second. We should probably, in case people are listening, I've had a lot of people ask me questions about where this falls in the timeline. Mm-hmm. Because people don't know. Uh, so it's after Return of the Jedi. Right. So that helps anybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> About five but, years. Okay, five years. I was going to say, Teresa, I think the actual question is how long after Return of the Jedi? <laughs> when they talk about no, the fall well, of the it, Empire it, and everything. It, it, honestly, Teresa's right because I just today I was answering these questions for people yeah. in the office. Yeah, like even again, people that are watching it, like students or more casual fans, there's things they recognize, but they think that this is happening because of what is seen at the end they're not sure where this falls right well also we're seeing stormtroopers we're seeing land speeders we're seeing a lot of things that are very familiar and very familiar to the original trilogy films Mm -hmm. not to the prequels and not to the sequel trilogy right and the just the overall look of the show looks like the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. So it it would be easy to confuse the time on this, but it is five years after Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. It's set, even though they don't give us any planet names, it's set in outer rim worlds. Um, the best way to describe that would be, you know, our the Wild West when America was getting settled, how, you know, back on the East coast, Boston, New York, Washington, very established cosmopolitan cities. Those would be like your Coruscant's um, that we see in the movies. Whereas this would be, you know, like the Western territories, the Dakotas, Montana, stuff like that, the frontier. That's what these planets are like. And so it's like a great place for, you know, four, four, five, four years after the Empire's officially been defeated at the Battle of Jakku, the Outer Rim Worlds would be a good place for Imperial Remnant forces to still exist because the New Republic doesn't have the resources to chase them down. So it's sort of a no-man's land, like a every man for himself kind of thing out on these planets. Yeah, or if you stay in one state, it's Dallas and Laredo. There you go. Texas terms. Okay, so as far as what I think about the Mandalorian as a character, I really like him. I think he's so matter-of-fact, he's kind of funny. And it just seems like, I mean, obviously you can't see his face, so you have to go off of his body language, but it just seems like nothing really phases him except for the blurg that attacks him right uh he had some real issues with that thing well, but I mean, he really doesn't general. 
Yeah, and he really doesn't like droids. He's like, no droids. I'm like, why? Why? Wow, they're cool. Uh, but so far, with what I've seen of him, I like him. Although I don't like that he shot IG-11 in the head, because I like IG-11. And I hope he comes back. But he would you rather IG-11 have shot their no. quarry? No, no, well, there you go. Not the little tiny. Here, here's here's a theory on why no droids. Mm. Um, the the Clone Wars. You know, mm. if if he was a child, if you know, and, and most likely he was a child during the Clone Wars, like that little bit, the flashback we get of mm-hmm. him as a child definitely looks like some sort of battle situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would not, if it was battle droids that, you know, killed his parents or something like that, then you could see why he wouldn't want anything to do with droids. Yeah. But astromechs don't hurt you. Yeah. But there's, well, there but, is, but one one of the things we do know, especially from, I mean, early on in, in the original trilogy is there is a certain bias in some places with some people against droids. And and so it, it, it it's one of those underlying things of Star Wars that sometimes gets explored and sometimes does not. You know, it, it got really heavily explored in Solo um, with L3 or whatever her name was. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and then the idea, like I say, in, in the original Star Wars is like, we don't serve their kind here. Your droids aren't allowed. They have to wait outside. Your droids. Yeah. They're not welcome here. And 3PO, you better wait outside. We don't want any trouble. I heartily agree with you, sir. Um, and then, uh, and so then here, when I, when he did that, I didn't even think of it that way, Eric, but that's a great thought, is that is that there may be a bias against droids, not just with him, but also that bias in the droid, against droids in the galaxy may come from the Clone Wars. You know, maybe may be a remnant of that. Um because it was battle droids. I'm I am interested to see this guy's backstory to get to know a little bit more about him. But um but I, I, I think that he's a it's a great Clint Eastwood man with no name type character that it's gonna be fun to spend some time with. And I love his look. I love the fact that that the armor feels stripped down because it is. He's building it piece by piece uh-huh. as he as he acquires more best car steel. Um but he, there's also some color to it. He pops off the screen. It just is such a, a cool look to me, like all the Mandalorian stuff is. But it, it just it, it he I just I like the way he looks. It looks it just pops really off the screen. So it actually looks really comfortable too. Uh, yeah, it, he seems to move a lot easier than what Jeremy um, uh, uh, Bullock. Jeremy. Well, lucky. Yeah, was able to move in in the Boba Fett armor in the in the original trilogy. So, um, but he also doesn't have all the accoutrements that 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 Jango and Boba Fett had. And I'll say yet to that. I, I don't I don't know that you know based on that's one of the things that Filoni gave us really well in the Clone Wars and then especially in Rebels is we really kind of did here and there some deep dives into the Mandalorian culture and. You know the the way that their armor is built and and what all the different tools on the armor is for, you know, to almost sometimes mimic the Force and and to, it was like intentionally to fight Jedi, and um, they say well not just Jedi Force users right right 
you know, and, and it was, it was, that's why they, their armor is made out of Beskar because Beskar, uh, is impervious to a lightsaber blade. Um, that's why a lot of the weapons they have on their gauntlets, like we saw with Sabine when she was training, um, you know, that she had been given the different items, the jetpacks, things like that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily Sabine with the jetpack, but, you know, a lot of their, the equipment on their armor was to counteract force abilities. Right. Mm-hmm. Your mother was a force user. <laughs> <laughs> Can someone explain to me what the jelly money was? That's uh, Mon Calamari money. Yeah, it's from Admiral Akbar's plan. Okay, yeah. but why is it all squidgy? Because it's from a water planet. Yeah, it's so like it's made squidgy? out of well, it's made out it's, of like a pearlescent material. Yeah, or like okay, but what were like? How much was that? It was uh, three of them. I don't yes, know. Three of whatever that was. <laughs> three calamari flan. I mean, how much were the imperial credits? There was only like four chips, but it looked like there were different denominations there. We don't. I know just want to understand still. space money. I don't. That was, that's one of the things I love, though, that, you know, the Imperial credits and the the calamari flan and stuff like that. That's just like, so weird that it's called flan because flan's a dessert. Right. That's what. Yeah. It's a it's like a it's like a Mexican custard. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's Steve not and I good. had this conversation while we Teresa. were waiting for you to fix your computer. <laughs> Teresa said it's not good. Um, it's not good. The, oh, come on. I don't it's enjoy delicious. it. Flan will, is gross. Mom, flan, no. I, say, say, tell me this. What is the exchange rate between calamari flan and Tatooine whoopie whoopie? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I need a book about the different money denominations well, and things. I know I know that a yellow, a yellow with blue speckled like little hammerhead with shark with legs thing costs seven whoopie whoopie. On on Tatooine, <laughs> <laughs> at least it did back before the Clone Wars. Now it may have inflation might have driven those things way up on Tatooine. I don't know. They may be fifteen or twenty whoopie whoopie these days. I remember when a, I remember when a Coke used to cost me just five whoopie whoopie. Um, yeah, right. So, Bottom line, it still spends. That's right. Well, that's and that's what's interesting. He's like imperial credits are no longer any good. And I immediately flashed to Watto. Republic credits are no good out here. I need something real. Need something more real, right? So you know what is more real? Well, apparently, ladies and gentlemen, calamari flan. Maybe that's the question Forky should be asking. What is calamari flan? Have y'all watched that on Disney Plus? Forky no. asked the question. They're really short. They're shorts, but the first one was Forky asked the question about money. It's very funny. Teresa, do you think that Erish has clicked on anything but the Star Wars button on Disney Plus? I don't know. Maybe. No. Like I, maybe I watched, like an old live action movie. Night. There we go. Oh, you watched Robin Hood? That's my favorite Disney movie. Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day! Yeah, and this weekend, I Black Cauldron. I want to watch the Black Hole. I want to watch uh, Sword in the Stone. Yeah, I got to like sit down and watch. I want to sit down and watch old yeah. stuff that they've been hiding away for so long. Yeah, I want to yeah. sit down and watch the Black Hole. So, um, well, back- well, since y'all were talking about it, 
I stayed home yesterday and all I did was watch Disney Plus. I watched 13 different titles. <laughs> I saw your 13 different Instagram posts. And, and we call it a mental health day. <laughs> um, I, I saw you do that too. Uh, so. I have to admit, I was walking around the office like, why didn't I take today off? Mm. What I was know, I right? Thinking? Well, it. Um, well, let's get back to the show. I want to point out something too, as we're, while we're just kind of jumping around talking about some things, and I mentioned Filoni's fingerprints on this, and I don't know if you guys caught this, but in the scene where um, where Brian Poston's character is taking them from outside the bar to to the Mandalorian ship, there's a shot of the speeder out across the ice that is the exact shot of Luke's speeder over the desert on Tatooine. Like, I mean, it's framed the same way. It's following it the same way and everything. It was like, it was, it was a shot that was cribbed from episode four. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was just, and that's when I'm like, this is a thing of beauty. This is just absolutely, if they're going to do little things like this, that like the hardcore fans like myself notice, you know, and kind of geek out about, then I'm, I'm down this. There's no way it can get better than this. And it just got progressively better. From there, you had the job of the hut uh, door keeper, you know, stick his head out and you know that dude, you know the the, the, the ball on a stick, um, and regarding Werner Herzog's place, what is his name in the? He's just listed in as he's just the client. listed as the client. Wow, I uh, I that whole scene. He's such an eccentric dude, Erish. I know that you had some things to say about him and his character. We talked did about I? it earlier. I thought you did. Yeah, maybe we talked about it already. <laughs> Just his whole not having not seen Star Wars, not oh, no John Favreau. Actual Werner. Yeah, Herzog. actual Werner. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was. In the last day or two, there's just been all these crazy quotes from him that have come out talking about how he hasn't seen any of John Favreau's movies. Oh, yeah. That. That he thinks that that he was cast as this character because they've seen some of his movies and enjoyed his work. <laughs> um, and if you're not familiar with Werner Herzog, he's he's probably most well known for like some of the documentaries that he's done. Um, he is a really prolific filmmaker. I mean, the guy has made almost a movie a year for decades. He has got a ton of work out there. He acts every once in a while. Um, I think most recently, aside from this, he was in uh, the Tom Cruise Jack Reacher movie where he played the villain, of all things, in that. Um, he narrates most of his own documentaries and he's just got the most wonderful uh, German accented voice it's just as you hear in the show it's an amazing voice just to hear him say Parsec was like just poetry yes. to my ears um, but then he talks about how he was raised speaking Greek and Latin and reading like the the ancient Greek poetry and stuff like that. Um, but to stay current with modern pop culture, he watches WrestleMania and <laughs> is aware of the Kardashians. <laughs> it's like just so insane. I'm aware and of the Kardashians. Just, he's never seen Star Wars. Like, 
you know, he doesn't really know what Star Wars is, and yet he's playing what appears to be a pretty central figure in this new series. It's only Werner Herzog. I, I, I've watched WrestleMania every other year. I know what's going on in pop culture. Well, now he sounds like a Bond villain. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> he does sound like a Bond villain, dude. Isn't this the guy that was like, bounty hunting is a complicated profession? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right? yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've gotten to that scene yet. So, well, I mean, like I said, we're kind of moving forward pretty quickly. No, no. I, I don't think that that that's from the trailers. No, but he that tells him. He says that. No, he tells him that because he's like, we want the asset alive. But oh, I understand. Right. But bounty hunting is a as bounty hunting is a complicated yeah, profession. Yeah, you're right. Right. Um, and so, and and that's kind of what we didn't really talk. Carl, we talked about the Mon Calamari flan. We didn't talk about Carl Weathers' character of Grief Carga, um, mm-hmm. who who seems to be a a middleman for bounty hunters, I guess. Um, no, he's the head of the bounty hunters guild. Okay, that's who he is. All right, great. I didn't know that. See, I I didn't catch on to that. Um, who was previously, or at one point, was Bosk's father. I'm sorry? Oh, Bosk the head a of father? Oh, okay. I thought you were saying that Carl Weathers was Bosk's father. I'm like, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's still canon, but in the Legends novels, oh, okay. Bosk's father was the head of the Bounty Hunters Guild. All right. Like, can I ask really quick before I get back into this Werner Herzog scene with the client and everything, do we know... What planets these are that we're on? No. Throughout, so that no one's like named these things or anything that we have at this point. Not that I know of. Okay. Anybody? Let me go to the. Let me go. Let me go on StarWars.com. I mean, maybe they've got like a show. Well, I was. For it. I was hoping they'd have like an episode guide or something, but they don't. From what I, or at least they didn't. Um, you know. Uh, we kind of got spoiled with that with rebels and everything, um, but anyhow, I, I that was just kind of a sidebar to ask. I I want to know this. He says he being the client says that um, they want the asset alive. The asset being the baby Yoda. But when whoa 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 what? we said we were going to be spoiling stuff. Yeah. But it's not a. It's not Yoda. You're gonna confuse people. Uh, look. Well, what what are you gonna call it? No name for the species. What, I know. What are you gonna the call baby, it? Baby, baby. So Yoda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> baby Yoda. Yoda baby. Yoda baby. Yoda baby. Yoda baby. All right, I'm muting you until this song is over. I told you I had a song for you. Anyhow. The client tells him he wants the 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 asset alive. The IG Eleven is like, I, I'm here to kill it. Uh, they want it dead. Yeah, I was confused about that. Why did he say they wanted it dead, but then they said they wanted it alive? Well, well, because they've been hired by two different. Okay, people. there you go. That's that was my question. Have, so we do we have apparently two forces working against one another here. It sounds like it. That yes. They've hired the bounty. They've both gone to the bounty hunters guild to to hire out a bounty. 
Well, um, and also IG-11 and the Mandalorian are not the first ones who have come looking for that baby. Right, because Quill tells yeah. him there's been a lot of... There's yeah, just been Quill a lot of, tells him that there's been a lot of others that have come through. What's that dude's name? Cool. Is it cool? Is that how you pronounce it? How do you spell it? K U I L L. So I'm choosing to pronounce it cool. I would say cool. is so cool. I would say quill. I think it's probably quill. No, that's the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, that's his last name. His first name's Peter Quill, but this is just Quill, period. So. Period. His name is Star Lord, Steve. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I don't know if you know Who? this, Steve, but saying period in uh, mo- like kids speak right now is a big deal. But you have to take your hand and you have to like put it like across your neck, like you know, like if you're miming, like cutting your head off. You're like period. Oh, like you're just cutting off the conversation. Yeah, you're like period. Okay, I mean you doing can get, it over and here, over again. Here, let me pull back the curtain for everyone, Teresa. I can't see you. So, I know that. <laughs> so you can keep doing it. Not- I'll film a video. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so we'll call him for the sake of argument Quill. Um, Quill does mention, or or we can call oh, him. It's K U I I L. No, it's K U I L L. Yeah, K U I I L. No, K U I L L. It's Quill. No, no, it's. I'm on StarWars.com. Oh, K-U-I-I-L. I'm sorry. I was on... Well, where do you see it on StarWars.com? I don't know. I'm at some article here, like the 75 things we know about the Mandalorian so far. I don't oh, see you it. Mean, I think you mean seven. <laughs> Everything we know about the Mandalorian so far. Queel. Queel. And he's got his own databank page, Queel. Well, they spelled it wrong on they spelled it wrong on IMDb. Then, well, IMDb is not the anybody can go on to IMDb and enter. I stuff. understand. I'm sorry, Quill. A vapor farmer on Arvada Seven. That's the planet name. Arvala, Arvala Seven. Arvada, Arvala. Yeah, that's Arvala. an L. That's an L, not a D. I can't read. Look, y'all can't spell. Arvala Seven. Kiwiwo. I just put the Quill. link in the, the Skype. Quill. I'm, I'm there now. Thank you. Quill. Quill. Yep. So, all right. So the name of the ship is the Razor Crest. Yep. And and so he's Quill. All right. And so, yeah, the, he says uh, he, he came to seek peace in an out-of-the-way out world, which is now being trespassed upon by criminals and mercenaries. He's worked a lifetime to be free of servitude and offers valuable skills for those willing to meet his price. And he has spoken. We also call him Ugnolty. Ugnolty. Nice. So, Ugnick. Um, so anyways, yeah. So we've got a mystery that's been set up is what I'm saying. Is that you have Werner Herzog wants the thing alive and there's someone else, we don't know who, wants it dead. And you have to assume that both are for nefarious purposes, I would think. Yeah, I don't think anybody is out for what's best for the baby. (laughs) Also, how are the pirates feeding the baby? And who was taking care of the baby? And why was he alone? Those are great questions. Um, See, that's the other thing, is you've got these people who were guarding this child, who were guarding this asset... 
Was the child not very good parents? Was was that ball that the child was in, you know, some type of sphere that was keeping him sustained, like in some type of, I don't know, sustain a pod or something? I, I, yeah, sustain a pod, sustain a pod. You know, was he was he getting nutrients and stuff from it, or or is I don't know. We'll talk about it in a minute. Is it all right? He's definitely still a baby. Have we got yeah, a, but that baby is 50 years old. Yes, but do you see how these baby, this species yeah. ages? He's still a baby. Yeah. Maybe. So how big is he when he's like zero? Well, but that goes back to like what I said at the beginning. Like there, the, the, the Yoda baby or the Yaddle baby brings no, that up. That was the Yoda baby. That's a boy. Brings up so many questions yes. and possibilities. Yeah. Is We've only seen two of the species. Mm-hmm. Both have been force. Both have been force masters. Right, masters on the Jedi Council. Mm-hmm. So, is every is every being from the species a force adept? Maybe. Well, that- I don't know. He was pu- just pu- like pointing one finger at Baby Yoda, like you know, ET. But like these, these are some of the questions that it brings up, you know. Uh, it did where are like you said? Where are its parents? What happened to the parents? You know, maybe maybe they know. just get born from the force. Exactly. Well, and there and therein is the uh, you know is are is are we going to find out that Yoda and Yaddle are indeed wheels? Um, you know, and and they are. You know, we come back to that word, the wills, uh, or you know, are these a species that are completely force born, that sort of thing? I here's what I'm saying though is like there is the question of why were the Nikto and the Klaatu all guarding this thing? Were they? What? Are they? That's the species of alien that were there. The aliens that they, oh. they were fighting. Yeah, the, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm <laughs> I, look. I'm just flexing my Star Wars muscles, Teresa. It's been a while. Look, really? I wow. thought they were they are, the, the species are named after the day the Earth stood still. Okay, but I thought they were Weequay, so they I guess were. <gasps> there were three. Weequay, Kletu, and Nikto. All right. What's a Nikto? A Nikto is the, he's the tan-faced one. Okay, yeah. I don't know. The Klaatu are the green-faced ones. And then Barada was the bald one, but he, there wasn't a Barada here. They were all skiff guards with Jabba. So my thing is, are these... Anyway. Are these actual? We Teresa used the word pirates. Are they pirates? Um, are they some, mercenaries? Mercenaries. Yeah. Are they some are kind the of mercenary? A pirate? The, that well, they can be. They can be. Mercenaries like more a uh, gun for hire. Mm-hmm. I need to. I need to revisit something really quickly because the third. The, my third thing was: Are they some kind of Yoda cult? But that was just to be funny. Uh. Cam Hopman, guys from uh, from WEVV. In Evansville, Indiana, our Thundercam, our man on the scene, has sent me a picture. There was the dude with the sunglasses that came out in Werner Herzog's in Werner Herzog's place. Oh, that weird guy. Yeah. Yes. I don't know who he is. I don't. The know. doctor. The doctor is that what he's called? Well, he's a doctor. Okay. Well, uh, he, was, he didn't have a scarf on. No, but look. I thought it was. I thought it was the same actor from Rogue One at first. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, let's see if I can. Doctor Pershing, Doctor Pershing. Yes. 
So, look, here's the thing. There's a picture of him. I don't know where this picture comes from. It's a still shot of him in his little uniform. He's got a patch on his arm. The patch is the Kaminoan emblem worn by all the clones during the Clone Wars um, when they were being cloned and trained. Maybe they want to clone. Exactly. They want to clone Baby Yoda. See, I'm also... Is Baby Yoda going to play into Rise of Skywalker somehow? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't ever think about because this Because the rumor stuff. right now is... Teresa, you with us? <laughs> Teresa's you know, like, wow! Whoa! Yeah, since we know that Palpatine, <laughs> good old Sheev, is back for Rise of Skywalker, there's mm-hmm. all these rumors floating about cloning. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't want to know those From the Clone Wars, we also know that Sheev was out there, like, basically kidnapping Force Adept children. What bigger prize would there be than a Force Adept baby Yoda for Mm -hmm. him? Baby Force babies. Mm -mm. No, Teresa. Baby Um, Force kids. From the novels and from the video games, we know that Sheev had all of (laughs) in case of my death like plans that went into action maybe this is part of it I don't know there's like so again so many questions so many possibilities all surrounding just this little tiny green cute little dude god he's so I want I want one (laughs) we all do we it was do. so cute. But it's a sen- and it was just like peeking over its little blanket and it was like, hello. And you're like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, true? They don't have a uh, they don't have a do they have a data bank yet for old grief carga? Grief carga? No, I didn't see one. I really want to know. Roth in Wyoming says that Disney Plus broke me. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, Teresa, you've kind of, yeah, you really are acting drunk on the Disney right now. That's really, I think, what's going on here. <laughs> you've, you've OD'd on the Disney. You've OD plus is what you've done. I've OD plus. <laughs> but see, like, I haven't thought about any of these kind of things. I've just watched it. Mm-hmm. So I haven't even begun to think, oh, cloning. That's why I'm like, whoa. Well, I didn't think cloning until, until Thundercam sent whoa. me this. Until Thundercam sent me this thing. Um, so, uh, can we just talk real quick about... Uh, b- b- I want to come back to the Baby Yoda thing for a little bit. But first, I want to talk about some other other things here and there we didn't really get into. Such as the Armorer, the, the Blacksmith, the Mandalorian Blacksmith. Oh, that was cool. That whole segue, that whole segment with with her and and her role there and what appears to be some type of... And I and I don't use this as a pun, but some type of, I, you get the sense they're kind of an underground little society that's developing here. Am I wrong in thinking that, Teresa? Or? I don't. I don't think so. That seemed what it was. I don't know why that would be a pun. Because they, he seemed to be going underground when he. Oh right, right. Her. No, and it seemed like that's where all the Mandos were too. Well, at least this group of them. The tribe. Yeah. She said the tribe. So well, but but that's sort of what that's sort of what the Mandos are, aren't they? Is like just like well, they're all different, different tribes, different clans and yeah, tribes. Clans, and I think is the word they used. That that 
upon occasion they all rally under the same under a single banner but really it's it, it it's clan first mm-hmm. kind of thing like i need to, i want i definitely want to go back and watch the like the siege of mandalore episodes yes. of clone wars yes i want to go back and watch some of the rebels episodes where especially sabine's heritage and what's going on with the mandalorians at that time because I just I have a feeling that some of that is going to play into this. Well, isn't Especially that what the new season of the involved in all of this? Right, and isn't that what the new season of the Clone Wars is supposed to be about? Is it? Yeah, I, I think the there's going gonna... It's it's the, the siege of Mandalore, the actual like or whatever. They're going to go back and be fighting on Mandalore again, but I, I think it's all the you know how the want to go back and watch those you know how the clone wars is they'll do like three episodes or four episodes an arc that that'll cover that rather than the whole season but here's the thing that whole scene number one we do get some we do get some flashback moments and everything but we also it just seemed very there's a reverentialness to and i know that's not a word but i can't think of a better word but there is there seems to be a reverence with what's happening there it's a very ceremonial thing even though there's some high tech stuff going on of her shaping this pauldron for him, him presenting the Baskar, the Beskar steel to her. Um, she, she asked about the, uh, um, his signet, has his signet been revealed? And he says, no, not yet. You know, and she's like, yeah, see, I don't, what does that mean? I I think it's like a, uh, it's like a status symbol, like a rite of passage, sort of, you have, you have achieved a a certain th- a point or place of honor or whatever if your signet has been revealed. Yeah, hmm. and and so you know that's that's one of those things. But then also, I don't want to miss this. And Teresa, I don't know if you thought about this. She has little horns on her Mandalorian helmet. Yeah, and and I don't know if you were calling the Clone Wars, but. You know, there were some that did that that were followers of Maul. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, and obviously, Maul's not around anymore. We know when he died. Um, but the whole, the whole idea that maybe his influence is still there is really interesting to me. And I don't, I don't know if I'm reading too much into that, but I just feel like they don't do any. I, I don't know about Favreau, I, and maybe I'm putting too much Filoni into this, but I know that Filoni doesn't do anything without reason. You know, we've mm-hmm. always seen that. So I don't, I don't know. It, Teresa, what do you think of that? Did it, did that even cross your mind? Nope. Great. All right. Well, I just figured well, maybe don't it forget had, you're always that tuning Favreau is the voice of Pre Vizsla. Right. That is true. Yeah. Oh, so How much in here. came yeah. about. That's this right. is so stressful because I feel like there's all these things in this episode that I should have picked up on, and I haven't. Well, I and just like maybe there's stuff none of us had, and then on Friday we're going to be like, oh. Well, I'm sure there's stuff none of us had, but I I just figured, Teresa, you're so tuned into the mall thing that maybe that was something that caught no, your attention. No, but I I mean I knew I could see it, but I didn't really connect it with that. Mm-hmm directly yeah but i mean it could be i would have to go back and look and see what their armor looked like 
the ones that were mall supporters and if it's how close it is. Right. Well, I mean, and, and this being, you know, somewhat 30 years later or so, it, you know, it, it'd be a little bit different, but also just maybe kind of the remnants of that is, is just what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> good Lord. I'm watching right now while the blurg's attacking him. He just busted that thing in the eye like three times. It was awesome. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I, I've got the client scene on mm. again. I just, I love how dirty and ratty looking the stormtroopers look. Yep. Oh, the, yeah. They, the they look almost feral. The remnant troopers, as it were. Yeah. yeah. They, and they look, they look emaciated almost. Like there's somehow that the armor looks like it's just kind of hanging on them. Uh, maybe. Well, the other thing to consider here too is that they're not necessarily imperials anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that we're gonna see an imperial remnant in later episodes when when Giancarlo Esposito's character yes. comes in because he he is definitely a moth. He has death troopers. He has stormtroopers mm-hmm. with him, but like. These stormtroopers that we see with Werner Herzog's character, they could simply be guys that used to be stormtroopers and now they're making their living just as, you know, as sellswords, basically, as mercenaries. And they're still wearing their armor because, you know, it's still functional for them. But they're not technically Imperials anymore. Hmm. You get what I'm saying? Right, right. Well, I'm reading the databank about him right now since you turned me on to the databank, Garish. And what does the databank say? Well, it says of the remnant stormtroopers in the aftermath of the Battle of Endor, the Empire is in disarray. Fragments of the former regime have gained footholds on distant worlds, trying to cling to what little power they have. The once pristine and uniform ranks of stormtroopers that fought for the Empire now resemble a ragtag army of mercenaries for lawless gangsters. So they've just kind of sold their services out to whoever, yeah. and in this case, to the client. Um, and that's where we get that cool line, it's four on one, and the Mandalorian says, I like those odds. I like those odds. Um, is this true, Blurgs, or from the Ewok movies? Yep. I knew they looked familiar. Yeah. That's so happy about that. Um. They're just pulling from everything. Oh, they were also on uh, on uh, on uh, uh, what's the Twi'lek planet? Um, Ryloth. Ryloth. The Twi'leks used them in the in the Ryloth uh, movies. So awesome. That's uh, look. I'm telling you what. That gosh, I love it when it all comes together. <laughs> So it is. Uh, it, it's one of those things. But yeah, um, so Queel is out there just kind of doing his thing. This is someone that I really hope either starts traveling with the old Mandalorian, or that we get to see him at least one or two more times in 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 the series. Well, just from looking at IMDb, uh, it had brief descriptions of the next few episodes. Hmm on there so chapter two it's just simple sentence target in hand the mandalorian must now contend with scavengers so it sounds like he's still on the planet Mm -hmm. so it's possible that queel will still get involved and then chapter three the battered mandalorian returns to his client for his reward Mm -hmm. so it, it looks like uh 
you know, going back to our G.I. Joe discussion a while ago, Quill may serve as like the blind man who saves uh, Snake Eyes after he's been mauled by the bear. Right. Hmm. And Teresa's like, what are you talking about? That's for Patreon, everybody. Patreon.com slash Geek Out (laughs) Loud. Super Saturdays. It's up now. You can find it in our discussion of the first five episodes of the G.I. Joe cartoon from the 1980s. So I was reading this thing about the Mandalorian signet, and basically she asked him that because I guess when she made his pauldron, if he had a signet, she would have done something to maybe have that on his shoulder. Put it right. in there, yeah. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Look at he, the picture of Baby Yoda. He <laughs> hasn't had his hero's <laughs> quest yet. Well, he's on it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is... Uh, so... I, well, let's see, where else? We have, so, IG-11... Guys. Oh my gosh. I shall activate my self destruct. That was so funny because he's like, no, stop it. <laughs> it was a fun exchange between those two, but also uh, just to watch that droid move the way he did, Eris. And, oh, and, and, so and, and I'm going to yes. you, and, and Eris, I'm going to go to you first with this as someone who has grown up with IG 88 being a stationary droid on the bridge of the Star Destroyer you know, for the past 39 years of our lives. Um, how cool was it to watch, like, just all the way he moves? He did moves that I never imagined. Because, you know, the action figure that we had... Yes! You know, basically just the arms would go up and the legs would go up. The right. elbows didn't bend or anything. Yep. But this guy's twisting at the waist flipping around like spinning around like guns out like the head is spinning the eyes are spinning on the head the hips are spinning and the legs are like kicking back into place and stuff it was like so like crazy mechanical yet balletic at the same time Mm -hmm. like graceful yep it was really really cool (laughs) also i'm gonna give a little shout out i was listening to the force center podcast Mm -hmm. in the office today and their discussion about the mandalorian uh joseph scrimshaw and ken knapsack and i think they just had the best description of that shootout at the end it was like when we were kids playing with our Boba Fett and IG-88 action figures. Oh, yes. That is you know, so like true. The kind of thing that they would get into. Yeah. It's, they, the two of them were like, yeah, you could just see Filoni and Favreau. Like, yeah, remember when we used to play with our action figures and this would happen? It's like, let's just put that on film. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. And yep. I just thought that that was a perfect description of that big shootout at the end. <laughs> I love that he shoots the Mandalorian right out the gate. Um, Teresa, you love you love all the funny stuff. You love the droids a lot of times. How'd you feel about IG-11? You say you hope he comes back. I do. I just thought it was funny that he's just repeating this thing. He's like, you must give me the asset. I have read you the guild, the bounty guild rights, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he just keeps saying it over and over. He's again. Like, like, this is like, like, I don't know. Like, they're just going to do it or something. He's like, you must give it to me. Well, and there's something there. there there's another point. I'm, I've got it. Like, I'm at that scene now. And he's like, he's like, I'll, of course, receive the reputation marriage. In other words, I get the credit for bringing the asset in. 
Like the droid is like, I want, I want to be bettered by this. He's so cold and calculating and everything along with what he's doing. But, but it's I also just love funny. when the Mandalorian is suggesting stuff. He's like, that is acceptable. Yes, that is acceptable. Well, it, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a really cool thing because you know, Teresa, you mentioned earlier, he's so cool. You can't really see behind the mask. Like this is, and 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 you just kind of get the idea that he's just not, not you know affected by anything but then when you see him around an actual droid you're like okay yeah he does have a lot more personality than i thought he did going Mm -hmm. here and uh yeah because he actually you see more personality in him around that droid than you do around anybody else right well because compared to a droid he's got a ton of it you know (laughs) so um it's it's so cool and it's also not lost on me Ares, to go back to the action figure situation He's carrying what's basically a stormtrooper blaster and a stormtrooper rifle, just like IG-88 came with in yeah. the old Kenner package. He's the one that came with two guns. I have two guns, one for both of you. Um, so, yeah, it, it was so cool. And then the whole, I must self-destruct, do not self-destruct. <laughs> I must self-destruct, initiating. And it's just... I love that he just... He's got that thermal detonator just right in his chest. Right. And 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 I love that we all know it's a thermal detonator because of Return of the mm-hmm. Jedi. So <laughs> like you see it and you're like, oh, he'll blow the whole place up. Um the, the and then the cool move, like it's such a Western I, I don't want to say eighties movie, but just a typical eighty you know, like here comes the big cannon and oh, right. and all is lost and just the one move of spinning the guy around, taking him out like I love the fact that it wasn't an accident that they took the cannon out. Like it was skill that did it because in so many other places, it'd be like this one moment of like just an accident or a slip up would be the moment, but you know, that would save the day. But for, for the Mandalorian, it's like distract him. I got this. And he does. And this takes everyone out. Like it's almost like he just rides the wave of that thing spinning around and just takes out the whole crowd from there. And it was just such a cool moment. Yeah, that's not an 80s Western thing. That's a 70s Western right, thing. That right, right. almost literally a scene from the outlaw Josie Wales. No, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean, I meant like an 80s movie kind of trope where like one little thing comes into play and it changes the whole thing. But yeah, it's definitely a, it's like an old school Western situation where you're, you're right. You're exactly right there. Um, <laughs> and I love the fact that he didn't realize I can just blow the door off of this place now. Until like a oh, moment later. Yeah, they both look at they both look at the gun like, or that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and IG Eleven says, "Well done. I will disengage self destruct initiative." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, he he had it going still. Okay, great. Okay. Um. So yeah. So then and then we get into to the baby Yoda situation. We've talked about why they might want him. What's going on? But it does. Oh, go ahead. Can I point something out? Mm-hmm. So, on this article from Vanity Fair, they pointed out that it's 50 years old, which puts it, its creation around the exact same time as the creation of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, I read the same thing. Mm, that's true. What that's if true. Baby Yoda was supposed to be the chosen one? Well. <laughs> Don't know about all that. Anakin's the chosen one. Let's not get in. Anakin is the chosen one. 
Um, but this does, Eric, as you said, open a lot of questions. You know, one of the things that I, I've tried to stay away from a lot of reviews and responses and everything, but I did bump into a thread. I think it might have been in the Goliverse um, Facebook page where it's like Lucas said this is something that's never supposed to be touched or whatever. And I don't know that that's the full truth, Erish. I know that we were never, that George was always real, real, he was very protective of Yoda, exactly, you know, Yoda, the character of Yoda. Um, and I don't think that he ever had any intention of doing a Yoda standalone movie or like really giving any more information about where Yoda was from, what mm-hmm. his species was. I, I don't think he intended that. Okay. I um, think he is allowing Dave Filoni to tell this story. Right. I would not be surprised if John and Dave sat down with George and basically got his blessing to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, because, I... look, we, we all know how close Filoni and George are. I think that John and George have a, uh, have a good relationship. We have seen pictures of George on the set, visiting the set of The Mandalorian. Yep. I think that of all of the Star Wars projects so far, this seems to be the one that George has kind of given his blessing to is kind of a weird thing to say. But that was sort of the impression that I got was that this is the one that he felt the most connection to. Hmm. And after reading the Bob Iger book, like right. I understand why he didn't feel that way about the, the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, 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 but this does open then a lot of, a lot of questions. I, I was going to say the only time I remember Yoda being addressed outside of the movies and the clone wars. And, and of course he was in, he had his moments in rebels was in the courtship of Princess Leia when we're introduced to Dathomir. And Luke finds mm-hmm. an old hollow recording, and it's Yoda giving a report to other Yoda creatures about Dathomir. You know? and, and, of course, that's old, old legend stuff now and everything. But like that seems to be the closest they ever got to being able to really touch on Yoda, I think there may have been a Yoda-like character in the Knights of the Old Republic video game. Someone correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, but just the whole, um, just the whole idea about having this species show up in a prominent way, you know, because obviously this is going to play into the rest of this season or the rest of this story. If it's just one season's worth of stories, it's going to play into it. It is it's the crux of this story is how the Mandalorian is now going to deal with this, especially if he's going to get back to the client with it, you know, and and maybe plans are revealed that he's not going to like, you know, especially you you kind of feel his heart grow three sizes when he reaches out his little finger and they have their ET moment right there before the credits roll, you know? And and so, Erish, I want to delve into some of those possibilities. We've touched on one, you know, and it is where they come from. But I guess my big question is, because you mentioned it, the only real things we've seen in canon as far as Yoda goes are Yoda and Yaddle. 
that are of this species. Both of them Jedi Masters, Yoda the Grand Jedi Master, Yaddle on the Jedi Council as a Master. Um, are all of these creatures Force-sensitive? Well, so far that we know of, right. we only know of two. Yeah, but it's a big galaxy out there. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's my... Well, but maybe there, maybe there are so few of these creatures also that... You know, I kind of got the sense that when they opened that pod and saw the baby Yoda in there or the Yoda baby in there, you know, saw the baby in there, that it was kind of like, you know, in Pulp Fiction when they open the briefcase and it's just that that golden glow that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, oh, like, you know, you, you don't come across one of these beings very often and my guess is that most citizens in the galaxy probably never even see one. Mm. You know, they're, for lack of a better word, they're like a unicorn. Yeah. Well, so... And so, and because they're like a unicorn, and because Yoda was who he was, that maybe there's a possibility that they themselves have all these, like myths and legends and stories built up around them. Some may be true, some maybe not, but you know, I, I, it's just, I, I never thought we would see that. Never thought we would see that. And so when it happened, I was just holy shnikes, <laughs> like just jaw on the floor. Yeah. Like I can't believe what I just saw. Well, and and that was my thing as when he said he's fifty. The the asset is fifty years old. We don't have this. I'm like, well, there's a. Re- it's going to be a big reveal. Who's it going to be? It's going to be someone we know. It's going to be someone we've seen. And I was like, I was calling Rod of the Hut. I was. I mean, that was my big call. It was like it's Rod <laughs> of the Hut. Look at all these Nikto and Klaatu that are around here. And, that actually would have been a good one. And old then stinky. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking. What if it's Ahsoka? What if it's this? What if it's, you know, I was like, Ezra wouldn't be 50 at this point. You know, I'm like going through all of these these things, trying to figure out, are they going to link something to somewhere? And, and and just, it blew my mind when I saw this. But here's my question. Here's, you mentioned the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. You know, one of the things that Lucas was all about were the old serials and the MacGuffin, the idea of the MacGuffin and everything. We see that in some of the, in all the Indiana Jones things. Teresa, is there a chance that this baby's only around for three episodes and the Mandalorian just hands him off to the client? No. <laughs> Are you saying that because no. that's what you want to see, or is it is it, or is it just not a possibility in your mind? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, I don't want that to happen. Right. And I don't want that to happen. And that's all. Okay. I mean, I guess. I guess it could just. That's hard. It's a baby. They can't hurt the baby. Well, they wanted it alive. I mean, obviously, there's some know, reason to clone it. They can't hurt the baby. That guy, the doctor guy, reminds me of, like, I don't know, Hitler's creepy doctor dude. Yeah. You know, like, if he gets the baby, he's going to, like, do weird things to him. They can't give it to him. Well. They need to find someone to give him the baby. But what if the baby kind of has a voice like this? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Would that change your mind? What if he's all like, hey, who are you? (coughs) 
Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, see what see what happens there, Ears? Yeah. When you try to start doing voices. Um, I find it interesting too that when you're done watching The Mandalorian, instantly it takes you to Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. It's like hint hint. You want to know what that little green dude is? Hint hint. Um uh, my guess is that we're going to wind up with like a lone wolf and cub mm. season. Okay. That mm. it's going to be, it's it's going to be the Mandal, excuse me, the Mandalorian and the baby, and he's going to be trying to get it somewhere safe. Yeah. Mm. That's what I'm thinking as well, you know. And but I just. I guess I wanted to prepare. when you mentioned the briefcase and I got to think I'm like what if this is just a MacGuffin that is going to end up meaning nothing just to set us all on speculation road I think it's way too big I do too I do too it's but way too big for it to just be uh he hands the baby off in two episodes and that's the last we ever see of it Yeah no way because this is going to mean too something big a thing. <laughs> Mark Hamill says three mandos and a baby Yoda <laughs> <laughs> Now on Disney Plus, Three Mandos and a Baby Yoda, starring Tom Selleck, Stephen Gutenberg returns, and Ted Danson, along with Pedro Pascal. The other thing, too, is you brought up Stinky. We kind of already got that in the Clone Wars. Right. You know, where they got him and delivered, and, you know, a couple episodes later, delivered him back. So Floney's already told that story. Right. Well, I expect him to be grown up or something and like it's a war between like if I were making that call for real for Rod of the Hut, in my no, mind what I'm saying is is that you compare the Yoda baby Oh to, to that Rod situation. Like he yeah. has already done that story. That's right. Rod You're right. You're right. Clark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. Well who uh, that's the other thing I want to see is is who I need to get to the to the credits. You know, there here. were a lot of people were expecting that we would see Boba Fett in this and stuff, and I just don't think we're gonna get anything like that. At least not till, not f- until at least halfway through the season. They yeah. need to establish this as the Mandalorian show, right? You know, if well, Boba Fett, if the Fett had shown up in this episode, he just would have immediately overshadowed the main character, right? Right. Well, and there's a whole bunch of characters that we know about that haven't shown up yet. Mm-hmm. Like Gina Carano's character. Yep. Right. You know, and then uh, the Finnick. Carl Esposito's character. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's uh, a lot of characters. Character. Yeah, so we've still got a ways to go. Right. I mean, well, we've got seven more episodes to go. Uh, as the credits are rolling, they do like some what appears to be maybe concept, concept art and stuff. And and one of the cool things is is you've got the Mandalorian sitting there with the with the baby Yoda crib, and he's got his little finger out. And next to him, of course, is the IG droid. But then in the foreground, in front of the Mandalorian, it, what appears to be Forlom has been taken out. So maybe he was also an original idea to have be a part of this, which I think would have been really cool. Um, but uh, I'm I'm perfectly happy with IG-11. I'm just kind of at the credits here. It says John Favreau actually wrote this episode, so yeah. that's good to know. That's interesting because to me, I feel like well, executive they've got uh, Filoni listed with Favreau as an executive producer. So, um, 
Golly, I just, I, yeah, guys, Favreau I was was busy with a little thing called the Lion King. Right. Right. Well, look, here's the thing. Uh, watching this the whole time, I was just so happy. Like, this really put a smile on my face to to watch this. I mean, everything, I mean, you had, you know, you had an Ugnaught, for crying out loud, that was a, a free Ugnaught. You had the Mandalorian. You got the, the mention of Life Day. You know, he uses the weapon that we see Boba Fett with in the holiday special on a big creature in the water for all intents and purposes. That, that, uh, that. We had a really killer looking squid face in the first two minutes of the show. Yes. Yeah. yeah old squid face. Yeah. Squid head. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a derogatory term to the corn, Irish. So well, really I quickly. I was afraid I, that if I had said corn, you wouldn't have known. I would have. Irish. Irish, you cut me to the quick, man. Come on. I cut you to the quarant. You cut me right. Exactly. You, <laughs> cu- you cut me to the calamari flan. Um, here's, here's a theory from my lovely wife. I think he, turned, he turns the baby in, feels bad, and spends the season getting him back to safety. I could see Talking that. Talking about the baby. I, I like that theory a lot. Um also, I want to recommend everyone. I know we're in Disney Plus mode, but I want to recommend you go check out the Chef Show on Netflix. And I love the Chef Show. And and find the episode. It's John Favreau Filoni at Lucasfilm Ranch in their kitchen. In the Lucasfilm Ranch kitchen, yes, it's a and it's great. It's they're talking Star Wars. They talk a little Clone Wars. They talk a tiny bit of Mandalorian and everything, but. It is just, you know, Filoni's out of his element completely wise in the kitchen. It's so funny. But but he is, you know, they're they're talking Star Wars and and, and stuff, and it's really worth your time to check out. Uh it's the Chef Show on Netflix it is a good um good good place to go. Uh they've also guys released the music for chapter one uh on streaming services like Apple Music and, and Amazon Music. Um Star tw- Wars Rocky? Uh yeah, Star Wars like it's Lud it's Ludwig Göransson. Uh he did the he did the score for uh Creed. Um and I think maybe maybe Creed 2, I'm not sure. He also did the score for Black Panther. Um uh let me see what else we got here by him. It's good. I like the music. It it sounded a little rocky at times, mm-hmm. but it grew on me. I dug it. Yeah, yeah. It, it uh, the the one track when they're riding out across the desert is is good stuff. Um, the actual theme has that kind of flute pan flute feel to start with and kind of builds up as you go through. There it is. So cool. It definitely shies away or, or doesn't do um he definitely doesn't do classic star wars you know like uh, he's not aping john williams at all um and ape is the bad word he's not even he's not even kind of doing john williams style the, a la kevin kiner in rebels and clone wars it's it's just he didn't get the traditional star wars theme anywhere in it and that's fine. I mean, I don't think we yeah. needed to. You know, I, it's got to be its own thing. 
Well, what's interesting, too, is that the show isn't even called Star Wars The Mandalorian. It's just The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. They have removed Star Wars from the branding. Of well, this. now, on the album art for the album, it, it has Star Wars The Mandalorian, Chapter 1. Okay. Um, and it's got... But a, when you're in Disney+, Plus, like... Right. Banner up for the Mandalorian, and nowhere does it say Star Wars. And even on the title card, when the title card comes up after the cold opening, yeah, there's no Star Wars. You're right. No, but that yeah, it does say Star Wars on the banner on Disney Plus. Does it? Yeah, it says Star Wars: The Mandalorian. Well, okay. well, Eris, I stand corrected. Well, Eris, but. I really liked the whole uh, sort of very 80s feeling opening. It had like all the different like 3PO and Vader and all these different faces mm. in these like outline yeah, colors. Like and then it like kind of came together like sort of a rainbow glowy Star Wars logo like outline. That was pretty neat. You know the, the thing too that I really loved about the show was one of the things that stood out about A New Hope when it first came out was even though it was futuristic science fiction, you know, spaceships mm-hmm. and laser blasters and stuff, none of it was new. Right. You know, it was all stuff that looked lived in, that was beat up and dented and scratched and everything. The, the entire thing, like, just it all had a very lived-in quality to it. And I definitely felt that about The Mandalorian. Yes. Everywhere they go, it feels like a world that is lived in. Well, you know, th- that's also, and, and this is one of those things that's been beat to death in discussions of Star Wars, is the idea of the used future, but also the the means of storytelling George Lucas and and I think we've talked about this before George Lucas used science fiction to to tell a fairy tale slash western mm-hmm. and, and and it becomes science fantasy in a lot of ways more than science fiction and I think that's one of the reasons like when it comes to straight up science fiction I don't really get into a lot of science fiction um but Star Wars is different I think because of the Western slash fantasy aspects of it and, and to the point that it just, you devour every little bit of it and you're, you know, all those little details matter so much to, to feeling like star Wars. So you're not doing a straight fantasy. You're not doing a straight sci-fi, but when you can somehow, when you can find the right mixture to bring all those elements together and you know when it feels, you know when it's Star Wars. You know, that's that's right. the thing. You know when it's Star Wars. I was honestly excited, like something really simple is the the dude that was calling the, the speeders up, the ferryman, if you will. Um, I don't know what that species is called, but he's like the spy from episode four. Kubaz. Kubaz. Is that it? Okay, yes. Something like that. Why not? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, we hadn't seen one of those that I know of that I can think of since the original Star Wars. Yeah. And I was... The the part that I loved that is it's so just twisted and wrong. 
the Kowakian monkey lizard and the cage <laughs> moaning as the other two are roasting on a spit. Mm. It's just so messed up. Kowakian roasting on an open fire. So messed up. Soon we'll be nipping at his nose. Oh, gross! <laughs> You're gonna eat his face? Well, I mean, they were they were roasting the whole thing, so. I'm watching a Wampa chow down on something right now. <laughs> oh, you you just rolled right into Empire. I did. <laughs> nice. I mean, I was on like watch number seven of the Mandalorian. I got to get fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, they 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 did a great job, and I'm in for the show. You know, going in, I'm like, I don't know if I'll dig this or not. I, I you know, Star Wars for me, I like the 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 sweeping epic saga and the of the Skywalker story and everything and so I'm just like I don't know I don't know if this is going to do it for me but man I am in uh 100% well it's going to be curious to see how they maintain the tone over the next few issues mm-hmm. uh, over the next uh, episodes right um because we've got Taika directing an episode mm-hmm. coming up Bryce Dallas Howard directing an episode. Uh, I think Filoni comes back to direct the finale of the season. Um, who else is directing? There's the lady that's going to be the director of the Obi-Wan show. Okay. Um, yeah, but we've so, got some... It'll be fun. You know, are they going to bring... Oh, Rick Fama... Famu Yiwa is directing Deborah Chow. Um, are they going to bring some of their own flavor to the episodes mm. as well? I, I think well, so. I, I think this I is. Would hope so. Well, I think so. You know, a lot of times television shows don't really have the room for a director to bring too much of their it, flavor exactly, to them. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, you're you're following the overall palette of the show, but you know, somebody like Taika definitely, you know, has some things that you would expect. You would expect a little bit more humor maybe in his episode. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard, I have no idea what to expect. I, I don't know that she's even directed anything before. Mm, I mean, can, we can look that up then. Yeah, she's directed. She's directed a few things, um, and she's Ron Howard's daughter. So I know who she is. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm saying, Erish. Sometimes when you're doing a show like this, you have to I say mean, some she, things that she you know. From a T Rex in high heels, right? You you say some. You have to say some things sometimes that you know the panel knows, but you're just kind of informing the general audience. In case you know they don't quite have all the information, the Gullivers—they're—they're—they're they're, they're smarter people than we are. They're smart, but I'm look. Okay, she's done a documentary called Dad. She did a short film called Soulmates. Okay. Um, she did a TV mini series documentary short for Vanity Fair called or Vanity called Vanity Fair Decade. She did the '60s uh, of that. Um, I'm not doubting her capabilities. She wouldn't get this job if they didn't think that she could do it. Yeah. A lot of short film stuff. A lot of a lot of okay. segments from stuff. Um, she's written some things. Uh, those things that she produced and directed. Uh, so 
Hey, sometimes the best way to get your first directing gig is to be the one who wrote it. That's right. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It doesn't look like she is riding her dad's coattails. You know what I mean? So um, let's not forget. I got that little nugget of advice from James Gunn on his Instagrams page the other day. What's that? That sometimes the best way to get a directing gig is to write it. Yeah. Well, let's That's not forget. Let's not forget her turn in uh, Terminator Salvation. Um, oh, that's right. As as well as uh, she put on the blonde wig and played Gwen Stacy in Spider Man Three. Do you think she was one of the people that Christian Bale yelled at when mm. when he lost? It I on think set? I think he was no that wasn't uh, no I think that probably she he was just yelling at. Um, uh, someone, a, a crew member. Right. He's walked in his line of sight. No! No! Anyhow. Ben. So, uh, all right, great. Um, <laughs> Eris is now lost in Empire. Teresa is lost in the eye, in the big eyes of Baby Yoda. And uh, and I'm lost. Baby Yoda, do, 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 baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. Teresa, you got any final thoughts to wrap up? Anything you're looking forward to still uh, that we know is coming with this with this series? Gina Carano's character for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, Cara Dune. Uh, see, yeah, Cara Dune, and the lady that plays Tonks in Harry Potter. That is the purple Twilight we saw in the trailer, Natalia. Mm. Oh, really? Or something. Yeah, th- she's also Tonks from Game of Thrones. Tonks is the Twi'lek? Yeah, Tonks is the Twi'lek. Uh, so, all of those things and more Baby Yoda. Eris, I want him to speak and say words. You got, he is going to speak. <laughs> He's going to sound like this. He's going to sound like, hey, hey Mandalorian, yeah, get over here. You so cute now, do you? Look at here. I, I, I've, been in this, I've been in this little container for like a month now. I, I really need to get out of ch- change. He's gonna be, now you sound like Dr. Evil Girlfriend. <coughs> He's going to be like the baby in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what I think you should be like. Hey, get over here, Mandalorian. Um, if, uh, Teresa, any other final thoughts about this episode? Mm, I have spoken. All right. Erish? Final thoughts. She stole my line. Okay. <laughs> Great. Good. Good guys. You, thank you for being so verbose. I, I'm just going to activate my self-destruct now. All right. Well, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, I, I got to be honest with you. My takeaway from this is just how happy I was watching it, how excited I am for Friday with the new episode dropping. I do like the fact that they didn't drop the whole series at once. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the non-binging aspect of this because even though people are watching at different times during the day when it drops it, it is a more communal thing in the vein of Rebels or Clone Wars that sort of yeah. thing as we watch together so looking forward to, to more of this and getting together a little bit more um, we're working on a, on a show title for now we're just on the Geek Out Loud feed everyone um, I thought we had a show title what's that the Mandagolian Mandalorian, the Mandalorian after show. The, Mando, the Mando after show. Okay, <laughs> for show. All right. Well, anyhow. So, uh, of course, um, 
we appreciate everyone you can use as the holiday season's coming you want to do some christmas shopping through your amazon head over to geekoutonline.com or geekoutpodcast.com and click on the links there to go to amazon and uh, that'll take you there you don't pay anything extra but it helps us out tremendously by getting that referral fee uh, when you shop through those links. Also, if you want to support the shows directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. We appreciate your support over there. Working on some different things for the new year. Uh, we'll be announcing the date of the Cure Marathon soon. Um, and uh, yeah, so until next time, for Erish, for Teresa, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you around the Goliverse, everyone. Um, initiate self-destruct. I have spoken. He goes from Rocky to Tron there, Erish. Yeah, that is uh, it's so Rocky music. And then he goes to that little synthesizer. It sounds like Tron.